Hello and welcome to a new episode of Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Thank you for listening. I want to tell you that uh, my previous show with Rosemary Alden Starkey and Sarah Madison was my highest rated program. I mean, more listeners listened uh, to me talking with uh, Rosemary and Sarah than any of my previous podcasts. I've had literally hundreds of requests to uh, do a follow-up show. Well, Rosemary, Sarah, and I talked for three hours, and I recorded about uh, an hour and a half to two hours of that uh, uh, conversation. So with Rosemary Alden Starkey's permission and Sarah Madison's permission, here we go with the outtakes. Uh, And, you know, this is going to be interesting because uh, as I edit this, uh, there's going to be some surprises, I know. I really do appreciate everybody out there listening. I want to thank Rosemary and Sarah for helping a lot of fans around the world on social media uh, figure out how to listen to my podcast. Many people have never even heard a podcast before, so uh, this is opening doors for a lot of people out there. Not only do I have Rosemary Alden Starkey and Sarah Madison on this program, I also have other friends, celebrities, and friends of Elvis that I am going to put on this program uh, from my previous podcasts to give you an idea of what you might expect on future programs. Of course, you never know what's coming around the bend, as I used to say on my FM radio show, Mystery Train. So, relax and take in Rosemary Alden Starkey and Sarah Madison right here on Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Hi, this is Jennifer Flowers. Guess what I'm doing? I'm listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Oh, I love it. Hey, listen in. Before I start the outtakes portion of the program, I want to play a couple of uh, stories that Rosemary Alden Starkey shared with me and all of you this past week that uh, have almost gone viral. (laughs) And uh, the first one is where Rosemary talks about how Elvis pounced on her playfully when they were in Hawaii. So we were just sitting around and he was sitting on the sofa trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. And I noticed he had a little mischievous smile he started looking over at me. I was sitting on the rug, and my sister Terry was sitting next to me. And so he was looking over at me with this little mischievous smile, and then he looked back, and then I'd see him, and he'd, he'd kind of a little bit do it again. And I thought, I wonder what's going on with him. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so anyway, he got up, and uh, he said, you know, we're leaving. We're going to go look for another another house. He didn't like that house. And so as he was walking up kind of in front of me, the next thing I know, he has pounced himself on top of me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going, what just happened? Did it really happen what I think just happened? And yeah, it did. (laughs) It did. And so anyway, he's uh, on top of me, and I'm going, and all I knew of what to do was just raise one of my legs up. (laughs) Voluntarily flew. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Involuntary flu, and there I am with all the 
laying on top of me, and I'm going, I'm laughing, and he is too. <laughs> he kissed me on the side of the, a little bit on the side of the neck, you know. And I, oh my gosh, you know. But anyway, it was it was so funny. And yeah. Uh, who who took that picture? Well, it was Elvis's road manager, Joe Esposito, took it. And okay. what was funny about it was. You know, I didn't know at the time, you know, who took the picture, really. It was just, um, but anyway, uh, when we got ready to leave, to, to, to leave to, from Hawaii to fly back, that picture was on, <laughs> was on Elvis' bedroom door. <laughs> I never will forget it. And I think, well, my God, that's us. <laughs> I'm thinking, where did that picture come from? Your Elvis's pinup. <laughs> But anyway, it was loud there on the front or on the door, you know. And I'm like, oh my god, you know. But uh, anyway, it was it was really uh, funny, and uh, we had a we had a great time um, there. And um, we all, you know, I think I, I think everybody was there enjoyed enjoyed their time there. And this excerpt, Rosemary tells her favorite memory, a very humorous story of Elvis catching her doing something. And uh, it was it was just a you know it's one of those type of you know you wonder why you know why did that happen at that particular time? Yeah. We've talked about a lot of um, your memories. Do you have one particular favorite memory? Well, I've got several. This is one that uh, <laughs> it's just uh, well I, I spent the night at Graceland. A couple of times, and this one night that uh, Elvis had a, he had like you know those hamburger beds, you know they call them the hamburger beds. They had the fur on them, everything, mm -hmm. and it was off from the side of, right off from Elvis's dressing room actually. And um, so I had uh, spent the night there, and so the next morning I had to go to the restroom, and I mean. I could have used Elvis's restroom, but I didn't want to do that, you know. Yeah. And so I, I went on around, and I was going to go in to use Ginger's restroom. Well, when I went into the her bathroom, I noticed she didn't have any toilet tissue there. You know, there was no toilet tissue, and I thought, well, this is not good. So I walked on back around through the office. This is where you went in through from hers and back into the office, and then you went back into. So I, anyway, I, I went into Lisa's room. Lisa wasn't there, but I went into Lisa's room, and I thought she's bound to have some toilet tissue here. And so, sure enough, she did. So I just, you know, took the roll of toilet tissue, and I started walking back in, and I went into, when I walked into the office area, who was standing there but Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looked over at me, and he said, Rosemary, he said, what are you doing? <laughs> you got caught. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, how embarrassing. Here I got a roll of toilet tissue in my hand, and Elvis Presley is asking me, what am I doing? So I just kind of laughingly said, well, what does it look like I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> he just, you know, he started laughing, and I said, we're out of toilet tissue, and he goes, we're out of toilet tissue. <laughs> 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 he said it and he, I mean, he got hysterical over it. He said, I can't say what he said other than he said, those blankety-blank maids. <laughs> he said, I'll remember this next time I 
write out a check to him. <laughs> 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 I laughed, I tell you. That was probably one of the funniest things because it took me so, and you know, it's one of those times that you just, you just were hoping that, you know, <laughs> you certainly didn't want to run into him. I hear I have a roll of toilet in my hand. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> what are you doing? You stand there, what are you doing, Rose? <laughs> That's so funny. What do you think? What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> oh, man, I tell you. But, yeah. All right, let's pick up where uh, we left off. Thereabouts. Well, thank you, ladies, for being on here. I, I, I might have to make uh, this a two-parter, uh, but you know, I loved every second of it, and I'm sure all the listeners out there will too. Oh, I loved it. I loved just sitting listening to Rosemary's story. I'm just sitting here giggling to myself. You know, kind of like I feel like I'm listening in on your conversation. It was, it was awesome. Well, we'll have to do this again. You hear that, Rosemary? We'll have to do it again. Where's Rosemary? Where'd she go? Did we lose her? I hope not. I think we did. My phone kept, someone kept calling in, and it's probably Rosemary. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, see if you can get her back so I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been doing all this talking and everything, you know. Yeah, she stopped laughing, and that's, I thought she was just being quiet for a minute. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, see if you can get her back. <laughs> I had the phone up, and I thought, what in the world? And I had it on speaker. And the battery ran down. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness! Yeah. We wonder what happened. We wonder why you're so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Sorry about that. Oh gosh! I went and got the other phone, and I'm so glad you called me because I tried to call back, and I thought, oh no! And I figured no, uh, I'm sitting there talking, and and I hear my phone ringing in, and I'm like, well, I can't answer that. And then Don says. Right, Rosemary? And there's no Rosemary. And I, that was me. <laughs> that was me. Oh, gosh. All yeah. things that happen, you know. I know. Jeez. Usually it's me, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, did I miss anything? <laughs> well, no, no, no. No, no, you didn't miss anything. Uh, we, we, we just asked you if it was right. Now I know where to edit. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Sarah said, oh you'll God. say yes. You know, you've got to put some of this funny stuff in there, Donna. Oh, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> we lost <laughs> Well, I, I've always done unconventional shows. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. what we were talking about. So isn't that right, Rosemary? <laughs> <laughs> the last hour, I think we're talking about mosquitoes. That's what it was, the mosquitoes. Right. Right, and he said that I needed my own. No, you said I needed my own mosquito repellent, and then, and then Don said, right, to Rosemary, and then that was it. <laughs> and, then, and, you didn't, you didn't and you knew something was wrong then. Right, yeah, because yeah, Rosemary usually will say something. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Don, are you there? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm just listening to you laugh. <laughs> okay. So I, I, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this up, and we'll talk a little bit after that. But uh, I say, isn't that right, Rosemary? <laughs> well, you, you know, if you don't hear me, something's wrong. Right, right, right. If I don't answer back, something's right. wrong. But, Rosemary, uh, we'll have to do this again so you can tell us some more stories later. Oh, yes. Okay. 
give me a little time to recoup over this. <laughs> right. And, and we'll have Sarah back, too, you know, so. Oh, definitely. She's got to come back, too. Yeah, who else is going to eavesdrop on us so we'll get it right? We're, 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 we're a team. We're a team now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Here's some outtakes of when uh, Rosemary was doing a promo for me, and she got tickled. Okay, that's what you want me to say? Yeah. I'm listening to Hollywood. I mean, Sam <laughs> <Hollywood. laughs> <I'm> already started. <laughs> I don't know. I'm listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beach. Right, but first you say your name. Okay, so I should say Rosemary Allen or Rosemary Starkey. Whichever you prefer. Well, I'll just say, how about I say Rosemary Alden? Well, all, Rosemary Allen Starkey? Yeah, just yeah. put it all together, you know. And just, you know. Okay, does that sound fair? Does that sound better? Yep, that sounds great. Okay. Yeah, just uh, whenever you are. That's why I kept it simple, so practice. Okay. All right. Okay. This is Rosemary Alden Starkey, and I'm listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Okay, one more time because I think I talked over you. Okay, I think so, too. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, and you're listening, too. You're listening, too. Uh-oh, okay. Where do I say that? Where do I put that? Okay. Uh, okay, this is Rosemary Alden Starkey, and you're listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. That would yeah. be perfect. Okay, here we go. Okay. Don't <laughs> start laughing. Hold on a minute. <laughs> okay, here I go. This is Rosemary Alden Starkey, and you're listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beats. Okay, one more time, you hesitated. Okay. Okay, okay hold on. This is Rosemary Alden Starkey, and you're listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Perfect. See, now we're going to have a perfect interview. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, okay. It was nice talking to you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the thing. We're going to be laughing through the whole thing, you know. Well, we probably will be. <laughs> yeah. <that's> a... <laughs> Maybe Sarah will you if they know Rosemary. That's not what happened. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I'm going to end that's right. I'll be, uh, and you say whatever Sarah says, you know. That's not what happened, Rosemary. You know, this is what happened. Right. Okay, fire away, Don. Okay, well, what it is is I'm going to introduce you like uh, I just got you on the phone, and then um, both of you. And then I'll talk to you first, Rosemary, and then if, if Sarah wants to interject, she can. And then I'll talk yeah. to Rosemary towards the end of it, and then we'll just wrap it all up. Okay. So you said, how long did you say twice? <laughs> <laughs> he watched Sarah. <laughs> what did you say? Did I mess up already? <laughs> no, 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 not yet. I haven't even started. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. We'll be back right after this word. Hi, this is Ginger Alden. Join me for an evening in Memphis at the Hugh Hotel on August 12th, 2020, from 5 to 10 p.m. Tickets on sale at Tick and Spice for an evening with Ginger. An evening with Ginger Alden is coming to Memphis on August 12th, 2020. It has been 43 years since the passing of Elvis Presley. On that fateful day, August 16, 1977, Ginger found Elvis unresponsive in his upstairs bathroom. 
Her life since then has been mostly outside the limelight of the Elvis world. However, in 2014, she released her memoirs titled Elvis and Ginger, Elvis Presley's fiance and last love finally tells her story. The book became a New York Times bestseller. Ginger has made a few public appearances discussing her life with Elvis, but she has not spoken publicly in 43 years from Memphis. Ginger will talk about her time spent with Elvis, their engagement, and the life after Elvis. Additionally, she will address some of the untruths that have circulated over the past 43 years and give her perspective on the actual truth as she lived it. Currently, Ginger participates in the social media arena to keep Elvis's memory alive and in a positive light. Ginger is excited to go back home to Memphis and meet all the kind and loyal Elvis fans who have encouraged her. An evening with Ginger Alden will take place on August 12, 2020 at the Hugh Hotel, 79 Madison Avenue in Memphis from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Tickets are $40 and there will be a meet and greet following the event. The meet and greet is free, however, a $10 autograph fee will be charged for autograph except for Ginger's book, which she will sign for no charge. Hi everyone, this is Ginger Alden, and you are listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. All right, well, let's get back to the outtakes. Did I mess up already? <laughs> no, 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 not yet. I haven't even started. <laughs> Thanks for those encouraging words. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's we're just going to do a, Sarah. We're just going to do a recap for the people that weren't that that probably didn't hear you the first time, and we'll just roughly touch on you know how you approached Ginger Rosemary to do the event, you know, and. Right, and also I want to, what I forgot to mention the last time is we have a raffle. We have door prizes, and and that's going to be really important because those door prizes, I have about 70 door prizes, yeah. and they are going to be signed by Ginger, given okay. a letter of authenticity with the, the, the door prize. So. Okay, well save that, and, and let me, so it'll be kind of fresh when when we start, okay? Okay. Well, yeah, I, I got that. Uh, I did make a couple of notes, you know, just you know, to make uh, Rosemary feel a little better. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Go easy on me. That's all I ask. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, it's recording. Don, what? The first interview I've ever given. Is it true? It may be my. It may be my last. Well, I didn't. Re I didn't realize that. Wow. No, I haven't. I, I really haven't. I come out think of any others that I've done. Wow. Well, I'm going to I'm going to have to mention that. I mean, I've, I've done them in like a magazine, you know, or whatever, public, but I've never done them, you know, as far as talking to some, with someone on the Yeah, phone. recorded. Okay. Recorded, well, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to count it off like five to one, and then we'll start. Okay? <clears throat> I can't believe it. Okay. Wow. <clears throat> five, four, three, two, one. I have two lovely ladies on the line, and they're going to be speaking with me. Rosemary Alden Starkey and her first ever recorded interview, and Sarah Madison. Hello, ladies. Hello, Don. Well, first, I want to start with you, Rosemary. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just great so far. 
Well, I really do appreciate you letting me be the first one to interview you on the, a podcast. Oh, well, thank you. You're very deserving of it, I might add. Oh, well, thank you. You know, for the listeners, we have known each other a long time. Well, I hope you enjoyed those outtakes of Rosemary and Sarah. Uh, they both have told me that they will appear on my program again. Right now, uh, before I play any more clips uh, of Rosemary and Sarah, I'm going to share with you uh, some highlights of my podcast this past year. So hang with me. In this next segment, I was talking to Casey Kasem uh, about the Cliff Gleaves interviews that I did, and I'd only played just a portion of them on the air, and uh, I sent the rest to Casey, and he's commenting on it here. For you, for you, I did it more, I guess, for entertainment, I guess. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed, you know, hearing those interviews, and particularly one with you and Cliff. Well, thank you. I've got acres of Cliff. I even have a video that's... Uh, I've got one, too. Uh... I'm not trying to think where I got it. I've got, I got one from Cliff. Casey went on to give me a little bit of advice for getting my interviews out. Fourth, yeah. Well, you know, um, you could, the thing you want to do is try and get somebody to, you know, who, who knows your work from back there. Mm-hmm. Who knows somebody from out here who can drop them a note saying, you know, uh, uh, you should have a meeting with uh, with Don Wilson and, uh, and, and talk to him about what he can do to you know, bring more listeners to your station with, with, with these shows that he does. Here's a little outtake with uh, George Klein and Richard Davis when I was doing an interview with uh, both of them, actually. And this is uh, about 1992, so it goes back a ways. And then we just start clowning around. They asked me to accept Elvis's award into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is probably one of the highlights of my career. Well, that's a great honor, G.K., you know. Yes! <laughs> and that was a DJ. Uh, yeah, boy. Yeah, if, Richard, if Richard Davis or Sonny West had told you the story, you'd be here until this time next week. <laughs> yeah. So many different stories come to mind. George. If you look under tangent, if you look under tangent in Webster's Dictionary, you'll see a picture of Richard Davis. <laughs> God. He and Sonny West can get off on a tangent. Mr. Webster defined the word tangent. Sonny West, Richard Davis. Uh, did you hear that, uh, radio audience? Look up the word tangent in the Webster's Dictionary That's an honor. today. <laughs> it's also the fucking way. Yes! We'll have to cut that part out right there. <laughs> oh, no, that's clean. <laughs> they used to use that on Laugh-In. There's a dictionary called fucking way. They used oh, it yeah. on Laugh-In. That's right. Roll it. I don't know, you're all weak. One of Elvis's closest friends, especially in the early days, was Cliff Gleaves. Here, he talks about Elvis and his comeback to Las Vegas in 1969. You could hear uh, George Klein chime in, yes, during Richard's last segment there. Speaking of George, through GK, I met Cliff Gleaves, one of Elvis's uh, good friends. Cliff had the ability to have Elvis on the floor rolling with laughter. I did a video of, of Cliff doing one of his old son records called Love Is My Business, 
and it just cracks you up. In fact, uh, we sent a copy of the video to Priscilla, and according to George Klein, Priscilla just cracked up. Anyway, he was a, a, a wonderful guy, and uh, he stayed with me for a long time at my apartment in Memphis, and then uh, I called Sam Phillips up, and I said, you know, Cliff's been at my place, and he's like, well, Don, he said I could take him for a little bit, and so he would stay with Sam for a while, and then Alan Fortis, so he kind of went around, but... Uh, Anyway, George told me, while you got Cliff there, get him on tape. Nobody can get him on tape. So Cliff was with me long enough. He would never come down to the radio station. And he was a disc jockey in Jackson, Tennessee at one point. Well, anyway, I got him on uh, audio tape. I got him on videotape. And this is one of my most requested interviews. This is at least uh, some a portion of uh, some of my uh, interviews that I did with uh, uh, Cliff, and um, you just had to be there, I guess. Cliff would come in and say, "Good God, Mister! Yes, boom, boom!" And uh, you know, <laughs> just, he was such an uh, upbeat uh, kind of guy that he always kept you up. So uh, we're going to be talking, uh, or should I say, I was talking with Cliff in this. Um, uh, interview from 1993, I believe it was. And I'm sitting here with one of Elvis's truest and closest friends, the one and only Cliff Gleaves. I'm glad you said one, Don, because there are many, including you and George and Richard and others. You know, the, the man uh, had a lot of good friends. Mm-hmm. Well, he was blessed in this world to have uh, friends such as you, I've got to say. Right. You, he was blessed to have friends such as you and George Absolutely. and Richard. Yeah, he deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, uh, you know, he was saying, any friends? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Cliff, you, you went all the way back to uh, 1956. That's when you first met Elvis, 55. isn't it? 55. 55. But you mentioned that ghetto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But uh, let the listeners know that uh, you've known Elvis many, many years up until this time. Uh, let's go back to 1969 when uh, Elvis was getting ready to come back to uh, Las Vegas for his so-called comeback. I like what George Klein said, I never was away. Right, but let me say this, uh, and I'm just going to stick to my record, right? Uh-huh. Uh, these were the words he used. I, I received a phone call in my apartment in Fort Lauderdale one night, and uh, it was Elvis. He said, Cliff, this is Elvis. I said, well, man, you heard from me in a while. He said, I wish you hear something. Listen to this. That quick. Boom, over the phone came in the ghetto. And when it was over, he said, what do you think of that? And I said, man, it is dynamite. I said, it's a hypnotic thing to that record. I wish it had me just right there, had me from the first uh, second. And he said, well, Cliff, these are the words he used. George is right, but this was his mood or feeling he had. I'm not contradicting what George said, but uh, he said, Cliff, he said, I think I'm on my way back. He said, I hadn't been there in quite a while. And you know it, and I know it. I said, that's right. He said, okay, I think I got me a number one record. And uh, I'll be talking to you. Some things are in the wind and other things are going on. And I said, hey, play it again. And he did. And I said, Elvis, I really like it. And I, I really believe you got a number one hit. And I really, truly liked that record and did it. But for two spins on the record, I liked it. Cold and Gray, Chicago Born, right? Right. Okay. And that was, uh, I forgot the other conversation, just lightweight stuff, how you doing, I'll be uh, calling you again, not too long from now. 
Tell your wife and said hello. And see you later, Clinton. It's bio. Zen that. And uh, forgot how many months it was, but the next call came after suspicious minds had already, bam, hit number one. Cliff, she's Elvis. He said, man, I've been booked. The colonel has booked me in Las Vegas. I'm opening there in August, and I want you to, if you will, come out two weeks early before I go to Vegas and stay with me at the house I had. That was the one on Hillcrest. And uh, he said, uh, you know, can you make the arrangements to do it? I said, oh, there's no problem. He said, okay, I'll call you later. And, uh, you know, send you your tickets and everything. And come on out and be with me a couple of weeks before I go over to Oakland. I said, all right. And that's what he did. And he called me and I flew to Los Angeles and stayed there at the house on Hillcrest until most of that time he was doing rehearsals. And I uh, stayed with him till he went over and went over with him when he went over. No, I take that back. Uh, I don't know whether I went on with him to Vegas and then to Memphis, or straight from LA to Memphis. He had called Sam Phillips and invited his sons, Knox and Jerry, to uh, come on out. At that time, Sam was like Elvis, he didn't fly. No, so I flew on to Memphis, either from Vegas or LA, it's not important. And uh, we all got together and Sam rented a limousine. Sam and Sally and Knox and Jerry and me and Knox White. We were talking about it the other night at Sam's brand new, beautiful, refurbished home. <clears throat> and uh, we rolled out to Las Vegas in that limousine. Had a lot of fun on the way out. We were talking about it the other night, you know, the fun part. Right, yeah. Made it out, yeah. Uh, you, were, you were there that very first night when Elvis came back on stage uh, for his return in Vegas? Absolutely. Was he real nervous right before he went on? Uh, I don't remember him being nervous. Uh, I do remember one thing, and I think if he was sitting right here, he wouldn't resent me saying it. I always use that as a guard, my dear friend, to insult or embarrass him. Uh, a little bit, I would say, guessing. It wasn't visible, but it was what he said. He said, you know, uh, I bombed here, 56. And I said, well, I knew about that. Uh, and he said it could happen again. And he said, I'm not really worried about not anybody being out there tonight. But he said, what I am a little worried about is these are sophisticated people, highly successful in this world, and uh, I'm leery of that. That's not the people that uh, really flipped over me in the first place. Not uh, knocking anybody, but uh, these people are all pretty well healed and very sophisticated, worldly people, and might not think I'm too cool. And I said, well, Elvis, I don't see it that way. And to keep the record straight, you know, uh, let me make this crystal clear. <laughs> It's crystal clear. Right. Uh, Felton Jarvis was the man who's right he was standing there, and then he just said, Hey, Elvis, he said, Listen to me. Man, these people out there, I don't care who they are, what they've got, or where they're from, or how worldly they are, they love you and they came here to see you flat out. And it buoyed him, I could tell it. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what happened in the dressing room that night, you know. He must have so I felt Jarvis, if anybody, uh, that, that shot he fired about, man, these people out here love you, I don't care how much money they got, or how sophisticated they are, sophisticated they are, they came here to see you, and that's why they're here. And no other reason, it was not the curiosity, they want to see you. That's why they're here. And I saw it, boy, it really did. It must have thrilled him, because uh, when he walked out on the stage, I've seen a film clip of it, uh, the audience just went wild, you know, and I think right. he felt the acceptance. I felt uh, he did right off when he first right. walked out on the stage. And uh, by the way, uh, you better believe it, and I was right in the middle of that. Uh, he asked me, as he always had done on the shows, come back and spend a little time with me, with me before I go on, right? Okay, I did it then. And right after that, uh, I left the dressing room. I said, I'll see you later, Elvis. See you what I was getting ready to do. Go out there and catch the show, you know? And I did, and I went back out to the table. Sam 
and Knox and Jerry and I and everybody had the at a uh, you know our table, and that's how we saw the show. Oh yeah, they just do the same old electric electricity. Uh, as Elvis used to say, the electricity between him and the audience was instant. Oh yeah. So in those seconds, whatever doubts he may have had, and whatever he may have felt like a quote-unquote bombing there earlier, uh, disappeared within seconds. I mean seconds. Sam would uh, back me up on that, and I know not to Jerry. But like in the 50s, he never played to an unsold seat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> up till 1977. Yeah. Because so I must have really been wild at the International that first week or so. Well, it, uh, it was, uh, when I wild, I was used to it, uh, it the excitement that he created. The hotel, uh, the fact that he was there, it just, his old Elvis man, the excitement uh, uh, in the air, you know, that he was in the hotel, let alone get into one of the shows, because it hasn't sold out for all performances, but uh, it was that typical same excitement that he created out on the road, uh, wherever he was, in the auditoriums, uh, the same thing happened there in that Hilton Hotel. I mean, the International it was, yeah. At the time, though. At the time. Is there anything, any one particular thing that stands out in your mind for that engagement? The 69 opening? Right. Any one thing? No, not really. Not one of Because don't forget, I had known him. I've been on the road with him in the fifties, and uh, I had that, that back when he's the biggest, hottest thing that never happened in the history of the business. Oh, and I was that. already housebroken to all the excitement and the and the reaction and everything. So it was nothing new to me. I'm an old hand at it now, right? There was no surprise. No, no. Su no surprises whatsoever. It was Elvis back on stage. This time it happened to be in the back room of the of the showroom of the International Hotel, but it was the same identical thing that happened out on the road. So it wasn't a little shock to me. <clears throat> you know? I pick up my interview with Cliff Gleaves talking about Elvis when he performed at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo at the Astrodome, where I first met Elvis. You know, and I always sat out in the crowd, usually on the road, and he got ready to go on, I went out in the audience to watch the show. Yeah, I always did. In fact, he used to joke about it, said, well, I got ready to start a new song, I got there, and uh, just looking around, there's old Cliff. <laughs> well, so shortly after that, uh, you went to the Houston Astrodome in uh, oh, yes. uh, 1970, right? Sure did. Uh, uh, Which was his first live appearance outside of Vegas for any concert show. Is that right? I That's didn't right. Yeah. I mean, I know you are an authority on Elvis. Mm -hmm. They don't call you Don Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> no, you live up your name. I didn't know that. Is that correct? That's correct. That, uh, well, since uh, the since, was since, the first 60, time. since 61, right? Since 61. Wow. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, they did the same thing, called me and said, hey, I'm going to open the Astrodome. And once you come out, make your plans. I said, no problem. I'm ready. And at the appointed date, I flew to Houston and uh, uh, was there for that, I think it was a weekend, was it? The Astrodome? Was it, wasn't it a weekend? It was the 27th through the 1st, I believe. Is that what it was? Right. Yeah, okay. He broke all records. Right. At that time, he broke all records for a performer at the Astrodome. We stayed in the old Astro, not the old Astro Hotel, but the Astro Hotel, and took a, a, a custom bus. It was actually owned by uh, a guy named, uh, turn a blank out, a real close friend of A.J. Boyd's. Uh, gosh, what's his name? Rose. Rose, uh, the guy owned Rose Trucking Company. And, uh, gosh, I can't think of his first name, and I know it real well. There's a funny story that goes with that. Should I tell it? Sure, go ahead, Clive. Uh, when we sped from the Astro Hotel, I mean, this guy is speeding. He's such a, wow. Speeding over to the Astrodome, and, we got out that first night, I said, uh, wow, 
I said, uh, I don't mean to uh, butt into your business, but uh, I said, uh, you might lose your job. I said, speeding like this, maybe Elvis doesn't like it, or, or maybe you're going too fast. And I said, I didn't mean to butt in, but wow, you were really burning up the road to get in here. And he said, well, you know what? I really appreciate that. What is your name? I haven't been introduced to the man. He's at the wheel now. And I told him, and he said, well, my name is J.J. Uh, 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 Rose. I think it was right. Eb. There it is, my memory. Eb Rose. Eb Rose. Eb Rose. You probably heard these people in Houston. They're Rose Trucking. Right, right. The largest trucking companies mm -hmm. in the United States. He said, my name's Eb Rose. And he said, uh, Cliff, I, that was nice of you. You think I'm, uh, that I was hired here to drive this bus, don't you? I said, well, certainly. He said, well, I own this bus. It's my own custom bus, and I'm doing this for old Elvis. So two guys are big in my life. A.J. Fort, the uh, Indianapolis uh, Speedway champion, and Elvis Presley. And he said, uh, Elvis knew that I, who I am, that I'm going to foreboard it and didn't mind. I appreciate you being concerned. He said, for that, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. From here on out, every year, you come up to the Indianapolis 500, and you've got a place to stay, eat, do anything you want to with my family. I rent a whole 10 or 12 motel rooms. And he said, you remember that, do you? Cliff, A.J. Uh, Eb Rose. I'll show you where to go, where to come to, and that's a standing invitation for the Indy 500 from here on out. I said, wow. He said, hey, you're all right. Well, that's fantastic. So anyway, uh, we stayed at the Astro Hotel and went in his custom bus back and forth every uh, night. There was something that uh, you, you brought to Colonel Parby's uh, attention that was uh, somewhat dangerous to Elvis. Isn't that right? Yes. The Colonel is alive and well, and he remembers it because he's the one I addressed. There were these two pipes that stood straight up and a pipe across them. What would you call that, like a bar where you could chin yourself? No, no, that's, that's a good what, what it was for. It had, I don't, nobody knows how it got there. Two pipes about uh, maybe eight feet apart with this pipe that went across the top. Well, that Jeep, a Jeep took Elvis <clears throat> to the center of the Astrodome, right? That's where he they, was performing on the, the stage in, in the middle. Right, they right. had built a platform in the middle of the Astrodome, and now the Astrodome is circling him, right? And he's on a platform in the middle of it. Well, the way they brought him in, they'd come under that, <clears throat> and circle the astronaut, and he would bow like a matador he was doing. He's doing that matador number, you know, bowing like the, you know, like the matador does. And they would circle it twice, people screaming, yelling, everything's going on, circle twice, then pull into the platform, and he'd get out and get on stage. The band's already there, ready to go. Well, about that, that second night, even the first night I noticed it, that second night, I, I said, Colonel, I said, Elvis going uh, under those pipes there, and I said, if he stands up, if something happens, he, you know, he's excited, or he jumps, or he jerks, anything to cause him to pull up. <clears throat> Pardon me. It will knock his head off. Grant said, Cliff, thank you. And I did something walking around. I used to love to watch the crowd from down below. And I maybe 10 minutes went by, I looked at it, and they had taken an acetylene torch and burned that crossbar off. Yeah, the colonel's like, you know, he said, Cliff, good, good. You know, that was the end of that. This next excerpt is from my friends Krista Joy and Peter Alden over at the TCB Radio Network. And if you haven't listened to them or watched uh, their live Facebook feeds, you're missing something. So check them out, TCB Radio Network. And Don Wilson's online. I need to say hi to Don because he's the whole reason I met you guys. He's my best friend. Aw. Yeah, he, um, he's, he's only using Wisdom Organics. He loves your products, as you guys know. So I wanted to acknowledge Don. Don, 
with a good friend of Elvis's. Elvis loved Don Wilson. Oh. Wow. He really did. Yeah. Yeah, he has he has so many great stories and um, oh, I know. I know he, he thinks so much of you guys too. Don knew every celebrity that yeah. ever lived. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Don's amazing. Larry, I, I've got to tell you, I've, I've got to let people know about Wisdom Organics, you know, and I use it. I don't use anything else, and uh, <laughs> I really don't, you know, because, you know, really, you know, it's just like my hair. <laughs> tell us about how you got it started and how we can uh, we can get a hold of you. When I started doing Elvis's hair, the market didn't have organic shampoos in those days. They had... Uh, shampoo is laden with chemicals, and that is the worst thing. Elvis said to me right away, he said, Lawrence, because he saw what I was doing. What I did was I got my, my um, vitamin E uh, uh, gel capsules, and I punctured the holes in them, and I would squeeze them into, my, into a bottle of shampoo, and I poured pure olive vera oil into it, and, and some uh, herbs. I would shake it, and I made my own, my own concoction for Elvis, because he said to me, you do what you want with my hair, Lawrence. But one thing, man, you make sure I keep it. And he was serious. He would, I mean, we're talking Elvis's hair. Right. His hair was so important, and you know that you get, there's a couple of pictures of Elvis when he went into the army, and our cousin his hair, He's got that silly grin on his face. He said, Lawrence, I was dying inside. I hated it. My hair, man. But I had to smile. What can I do, you know? Right. And I would massage his scalp, and I would brush. I always, I always brushed his hair 20, 30, 40 times before I did anything, because it's very healthy, but that's all the subject. So at any rate, over the years, I made my own shampoo, my homemade shampoos. I got to a point, we came up with Wisdom Organics, and the chemist put uh, um, uh, a formula together that is so advanced, based upon everything I did in the past, because I wouldn't use anything else, ever. And they're available on wisdomorganics.com. Wisdom with an E. Uh, wisdomorganics.com and just read, read my history and I got a lot of blogs on there about hair care and various treatments. What's really interesting and important, a free ebook all about nutrition and exercise and because um, my program is holistic. That's it in a nutshell. very close friend of mine was Richard Davis, who was Elvis's friend, bodyguard, movie stand-in, and 21 Motion Pictures. And um, I really miss him. And uh, Kim Davis Ward was married to Richard, and she and I are still close. We're like brother and sister. And she's talking with Peter Alden and Krista Joy in this excerpt. And uh, then I'm going to play um, an excerpt from my interview, one of my interviews with Richard Davis about Elvis. Uh, 
uh, one of the first people when we were when we were getting our show off the ground. One of the first people that we had a chance to talk to and has actually helped us along the way and still continues this day is uh, a fellow by the name of Don Wilson. And I know that you're uh, you you're friends with Don, are you? Yes, I've I've known Don since I was. 19 years old and and richard knew him way back when uh, elvis was still alive he's a good he's a good friend of my family he's like a brother to me yeah he's he's been he's been so great to us and uh just just helped us out and has been so gracious with his time and helping us get together so it, it, you know w- what we found and what's really nice is that the, uh, so many people have been helpful you know with us and say oh you need to talk to this person you need to talk to that person yeah his don's and, knowledge is amazing i know richard and george would constantly ask him what year was that that elvis did that or, or what's that movie that elvis was in with the boat or the car you know because they they were there it's not something that they you know they don't remember all those dates but don's always had had a wealth of knowledge he was their go-to for sure his recall is tremendous it is <laughs> amazing much better than mine My best friend, without a doubt, was Richard Davis. And uh, I knew uh, R.D. since Elvis was still with us. I met him when I was a kid, and we remained friends until he passed away. And I really do miss Richard. I think about him a lot. Uh, This interview, (laughs) every time I interviewed uh, Richard, you know, whether it was for my radio show or for the Definitive Elvis or some other project, I always had to get him to talk about Elvis's chimp, Scatter. Scatter was before my time, well, uh, about at least being around Elvis and the guys. And uh, so I always relished these stories. And Richard was a great auteur. He, could, he was a great storyteller. And so I pinned him down and I got him to talk about Scatter and... Thankfully, you're going to be able to hear about Elvis's Chimp Scatter right now. Richard, while I got you here, man, though, I got to ask you one favor. You got to tell me a story about Scatter, Elvis's Chimpanzee. Mm. Did you win? No. There's a lot of stories about Scatter. See if I can think of one real quick off the top of my head. Uh, scatter. Well, um, Scatter was a chimpanzee that Elvis had purchased from a, a man named Bill Killebrew, who used to own a, a local TV, a kitty TV show here in Memphis. And uh, his show went off the air, and uh, he was going to get rid of his little chimp scatter. And so Elvis bought him, and he became like one of our favorite little guys, man. You know, we, we took him everywhere we went. And we used to, Elvis used to, he'd dress him, we had silk, Elvis had silk mohair suits made for him and, and little uh, little uh, yacht caps and stuff. And we'd dress him up and put him in the back of the limousine and we'd drive to the studio. And we put him in the back seat of the limousine and it's like we were chauffeuring him into the, into the studio. And we'd take him to the studio with us every day and take him and put him in our dressing room. We locked him in the dressing room, which we thought we locked him in the dressing room. And he got out one day and uh, went and, and destroyed the head of the studio's uh, office. And we got a phone call from the head of the studio that said that, that the monkey had to go or we had to go, one or the other. He was barred from the lot, so we had to go get him and take him home. 
and we left. We were living in Perugia, I mean, uh, Bellagio Road in Bel Air, California, at the time. We left him at the house, and we had a. It was a secret compartment between the walls, and we had a cage down there for him that we used to put him in this cage. And all the telephone communications were going into this room, where his cage was. And he got out one day. I don't know how he got out, but he got out one day and tore all the telephone wires out of the wall. And it took three days. Well, we had no telephones or no no intercoms, no local intercoms or anything. And we had the telephone people came up to uh, to repair it, and they took three days to repair these lines that this monkey tore out, right? And another time, we I, I think what happened to him was uh, I think our maid uh, poisoned him. Uh, I, I don't know for sure, but one of our maids poisoned here in Grayson uh, because he, he got out in, in, in Bel Air, California and went to our next door neighbor's house. They were having a big formal party in the backyard. And uh, he went over doing his normal scream and everything, and they thought it was a gorilla that had gotten loose. So they called the Bel Air, it scared everybody. And the man who was having a party, his wife was pregnant, and she almost had a miscarriage because of this. And so they called the Bel Air Society the next day and got up a petition and we got notice from the Bel Air Society, which is where we lived, that either the, uh, the monkey had to go or we had to leave Bel Air. And we wasn't going to leave Bel Air, so we had to send him back to Memphis. So we brought him back to Memphis and that's, we built a cage, I was built a cage for him here with a house and a little heater and air conditioning, all this kind of stuff there. And the maids that we had in Memphis just go out and feed him every day. And uh, so one night the maid went out there to feed scatter and uh, she bent over to to slide his food through the cage and as she did that he reached up and grabbed her hair and she had a wig on and jerked her against the bars and pulled her wig off and pulled her so hard it pulled her out of her house shoes and she came running back in the house screaming and hollering you know and so i had to go out there and get her wig and her house shoes away from scatter and bring it back to her well it was like maybe one or two days later that we found him dead and we had to call the Humane Society to come pick him up. And uh, we kind of think that, that what happened to him was that he got poisoned. I'm not sure. But he was a lot of fun for us. We enjoyed Scatter. And uh, he went to all of our parties and went everywhere we went. This is Rosemary Alden Starkey, and you're listening to Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat. Here, Rosemary Alden Starkey and Sarah Madison talk about the upcoming Ginger Alden event in Memphis. But uh, we're looking forward to for the event, and I know thousands of other fans are too, and uh, it's going to be uh, August the 12th. Uh, you want to talk about it, Sarah, a little bit? Uh, yeah, August the 12th in uh, Memphis at the Hugh Hotel from 5 to 10 p.m., and uh, it's Taylor... Michael, he's your nephew, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Uh huh. He's uh, Terry's uh, son. He's uh, he uh, sings, and um, he's going to be performing there. Yes, he is, and that's going to be exciting because right. I've heard him right. sing before, but I've never watched him sing and perform live. Uh, right, the Nashville yeah. recording artist. Too. Yes, he has a great voice. A great voice. So yeah. he'll be there, and then we're going to have an interview. And it's not going to be an open mic interview. And this is what I think some um, misunderstanding from some of the, the fans and people uh, out within the Elvis world, that this is it's not an open mic. In other words, we're not handing the mic to the floor and having people right. come 
up and say, okay, I'm going to ask my question to Ginger, and now whatever I ask, she's going to be put on the spot. She's going to have to answer it. Absolutely not. No, this is an interview that um, we will be going through uh, at least 90 minutes worth of questions and answers for her. Uh, and right. uh, that she's going to be able to go into further detail with her own words from her mouth to our ears, her side, her explanation. And I think that, that she's, there's a huge element of the Elvis Presley history that is missing from her. It's, it's been sidestepped right. and it's been buried over and people want to just put their own mark on it and say, no, exactly. But just like listening to you now, Rosemary, you know, the, 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 I'm sitting here smiling to myself quietly because I don't want to laugh and disrupt it. The toilet tissue story is hilarious. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that, those, are, those are things that nobody else knows about. But guess what? Unless they allow your sister to speak, unless they allow you to speak without trying to silence you, they're never going to know. So they're missing out on the funny moments that occurred and, and that might warm their heart about Elvis Presley's character that right. you have. And, and, and too, you know, Sarah, I think that they're, they're, the fans are, are getting tired of the same old, same old, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they're, mm-hmm. they're wanting to hear uh, uh, from someone that's, you know, not really been out there. Hi, this is Joe at Cesito. I am right on the mystery train with Don Wilson. I want to thank Rosemary Alden Starkey and Sarah Madison for being on my program. I hope to have them on again soon. They said they'd do it. There's a couple more announcements, and then uh, that'll be it for this edition. But don't go away. Still some important information. Hi, this is Ginger Alden. Join me for an evening in Memphis at the Hugh Hotel on August 12, 2020, from 5 to 10 p.m. Tickets on sale at Tick and Spice for an evening with Ginger. No part of Don Wilson's Hollywood Beat can be reproduced without my permission. If I grant you permission, please include my website address, www.donwilsonshollywoodbeat.com, as well as the link to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year. I want to remind you that I can be heard on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Until next year, keep rocking and don't tip over.